following talk is from New Community. For more information about New Community, check out newcommunitychurch.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Okay, I've got the wonderful privilege today of doing a kind of one-off sermon and uh, before we kick into this series. And I've entitled this particular word, It's Time for adventure. When you come to do a word at the beginning of a new term and realize everyone's been a bit away and everyone's coming together, it's not always easy to come up with something. But it's something I've been thinking about recently and I want to talk about having an adventure with God or in God. Uh, Lord of the Rings is a well-known book and books and a well-known story. It's also encapsulates so much of what life can be like for all of us or maybe. And in the book, The Hobbit, or if you've seen the film, The Hobbit, there is a moment right at the beginning of the film, or the book, when uh, Bogo Baggins is just living in a shire, he's doing his own thing, and he's just kind of behaving himself. And everyone around him is doing well, and it's just lovely. And suddenly there's this guy called Gandalf, who's this great big wonderful wizard who comes along and says, Bilbo, um, you're made for adventure. And then almost as if he's talking to him, uh, the door opens and all these dwarfs come running in. This is not in the Bible, just to let you know. (laughs) And all these dwarfs come running in, haven't got there yet, and when the dwarfs all get in there, they, they mess up his life. And it suddenly goes from being very quiet to very noisy and very messy. I've just had seven of my 12 grandchildren with us over the weekend. I can really... They're, they're kind of like dwarfs, really. They're, the noise level and, and, the, and, the, and peaceful life just gets disrupted. It's all wonderful. And these dwarfs are on a journey to go on an adventure with Gandalf. And the point of the whole story is that Here's this guy living in the shires, living a quiet life, but he's been made for adventure. He's not been made to live in the shire. But he's got so used to it, that's what life is like. And it's kind of, a moment Gandalf kind of looks at him, and you can see his eyes, and, and as, as Bilbo is wondering, do I go on this journey or don't I? It's kind of like the, the eyes of Gandalf said, but you were made for this. You're a hobbit. Hobbits are made for adventures. And then they all leave, and he decides he's going to stay. And then there's this tussle in him. Do I stay or do I go? Am I made for this kind of mundane life, or am I, most, am I made to be an adventure? And he's just at the last moment. He runs after them, and he goes on this adventure. The definition of the word adventure includes words like this. The unknown. Risk. Excitement. The unpredictable. And Christians are not meant to live in the Shire. They're meant to live not just going on a adventure like Bilbo goes on, but the adventure of life itself. You don't actually have to go anywhere to know the adventure that you were made for if you're a child of God, every child of God has within or himself or herself this longing for this sense of the unknown, 
the riskiness, the excitement, the unpredictability of what might happen next. And it has to do with this one simple fact. God has come and he is with us. What might that look like? The fact that I as a person have the promise of the living God living in me and with me. What might that look like? It looked like, may look like many things, but I can tell you this. One thing it's going to look like is a bit of an adventure. One thing is it's going to look like there are going to be days when risks have been taken, things are unpredictable. It's not going to look Shire-like, where everything is the same. I have to say that when I first became a Christian, when I realized this living God had invaded my life, when I realized I could have a relationship with God... I can remember those early days and months and even years being a bit like this adventure. And it's so easy for us, the longer you are a Christian, to lose that sense of adventure so that life actually can become quite predictable. Is your life predictable? Is your life a little bit dull? Perhaps your life, mine could be like this, just becomes very samey. There's not much expectation of things that are going to change. Having had all these kids around me all this last weekend, you just see children and you see that they actually love life. They're actually excited about getting up in the morning. Are you? They're actually excited about the possibility of, well, whatever may happen, may happen. It's just exciting. I've become convinced that the Christian life should be like an amazing adventure. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you might think being a Christian is just rules and regulations. And let me tell you, it's really like being on a fantastic adventure. Now, before we go any further, let me root this rather strange Lord of the Rings introduction into some theology. And then we'll get practical. You know, root this, David, please, in something biblical and something theological. You know, I get it, Dave. You, you, maybe you're on a midlife crisis. You're about to, about to buy a motorbike. or So you need an adventure. Can I just assure you, I am way past midlife crisis. It's been and gone. Okay. The two words that describe, describe this possibility of adventure for me are the words access and intimacy. Access and intimacy. What do we mean by that? When Jesus died for us on the cross, some amazing things happened. One of the things that's so amazing that happened was this, that the sin that we were living in through the blood of Jesus is forgiven and removed. And the barrier between people who are unholy, like me and you, suddenly that barrier has been removed and we've been made right with God. And so concentrating on the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus and, and the fact that our sins are forgiven is something we should constantly, constantly be singing about and praying about and concentrating on all the time. But I want to emphasize something else. There's lots of other things that happened at the cross. And one of the most amazing things that happened was this. It gave you and me access into the very presence of God. Now listen. It also gave God access into your life as well. 
and intimacy is where those two things collide. When God and his promise of being with you and your promise of knowing that he's with you come together, the adventure begins theologically because your very ordinary life has just been changed up, turned upside down. Why? Something you did? No. Christians are ordinary people, but they have the capacity and the potential to be extraordinary because of this access that we have to a God who is extraordinary and a God who's on a massive adventure. And the possibility of us becoming adventurous is there. The Bible says that the veil, which means the separation, that kept us from God was torn in two. There is now a new and living way for us to access and to be intimate with God. The old covenant where people did have a relationship with God, but it was a very separated relationship. Some of you who know the background to the Old Testament will know that there was times when God's people were allowed to come close to him. But when you think about the closeness, it wasn't very close at all. It was this incredibly holy God who was in a tent, and there was another tent, and then there was another tent, and you, the people of God, got to stand outside it. And once a year, on your behalf, one person could get in there, and if he survived, he was dragged back out again. And that's as close as you got. It is actually the story of a God that's so holy, and a people that's still so unholy, that it's best for the people that they're separated from a holy God. When it comes to the sacrifice of Jesus, it comes to the new and living way, all those tents, everything that was kept from you having a relationship with God and him having a relationship with you are taken away completely. You can have a relationship with God anywhere, at any time, and you don't need anyone else to go in on your behalf. You go in as you are because of what Jesus has accomplished for us at the cross. And Jesus said to his disciples, it's far better for me to go to be with the Father. Why? Because when I'm with the Father, I will, listen to this, come to you. I will allow you to have access into my presence. In fact, I will come to you and I will dwell with you. John chapter 14 and verse 18. Familiar words. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What an amazing promise. I'm going to come to you. Look, I know you know all this. You're all looking very scholarly. But just for a moment, let that, that, that concept just completely undo you. God will come to you. The God of the universe will come to you. Verse 19. Yes, a little while and the world will see me no more, said Jesus, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. And in that day... You will know that I am in the Father, and you in me. Look at this. And I in you. What I want to, what you, to I, I think we get the we're in Christ bit, but this morning I just want to dwell for a moment on the fact that he's in you. So you are in him, but that also, if you are in him, he, the living God, is dwelling within you. Verse 21. Whoever has my commandments, says Jesus, and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. 
Judas said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him. That is we, the Trinity. We will come to him and make our home with him. Again and again in these verses, you're seeing these promises of you will be in me, but I will be in you. I will come to you. We, the Trinity, will come and we will dwell in you. We have access to the very presence of God and we have intimacy with the living God himself. Very quickly, chapter 15, verse 4. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. I, I just always find this fascinating. The promise is this, if, and it's not automatic, if you look at verse 7 of that chapter, you'll see it says, if you abide in me. So if I abide in him, here's the promise, the moment I do that, he will abide in me. We have access to the throne of God. Brothers and sisters, the glory and the presence and the power of God now has access to you. He comes to you. He dwells with you. He wants to be in you. Look at verse 5 of chapter 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in him, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing in me. One last verse, chapter 17 of John, and verse 26. Jesus is praying for us as his followers. He's praying to the Father. In verse 26 of John 17, he says, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love which, with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. That's talking about you. It's not talking about someone else. It's talking about you as a child of God. And I just love this verse. and just blows you away. In Revelation chapter 3, And verse 20, Jesus is talking to one of the churches. He says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. I've always found that a very strange kind of concept. The God of the universe coming into me and eating with me. What does it mean? Well, if someone comes to your house and feels that much at home, that they stick around and they have all the food that you have to give to them, it speaks of a person who feels comfortable. It speaks of a certain person who's taken their shoes and socks off or whatever. They've come to stay. They've come to remain. They've come to take part in every area of your life. This is not describing a distant God. None of this is describing a God that you can just know things about. This is not describing a Sunday God who we nod to once a week for a moment. This is describing a God who is in everyday life. He's come to stay. He's taken his shoes off. He's intimate. He's having a meal with us. He's at home with us. This is describing a God in which you have access to every moment of every day. When you go shopping, God is with you. When you're having a 
a meal with some friends down the pub. God is there, he's with you. When you're in the car, he's with you. When you're with your kids, he's with you. When you're in the workplace or on the sports field, Jesus said, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Folks, this is where the adventure starts. Listen to me, it's very important. How can I possibly say to you today, let's have an adventure? <laughs> let's buck ourselves up. Let's be bright and jolly. Let's go and have an adventure. It's not what we're talking about. We're on an adventure because God has said, I will come to you. God has said, I will dwell with you. God has said, I will be with you every day, every place, every moment. Jesus is alive. I know you know that, and we think about it at Easter. I'd like to wake up every morning with that reality. He's alive. Whoa, what does that mean? What could happen today? If Jesus is alive and he's with me, what adventures could we see and experience in Southeast London, 2016? Because nothing has changed. And I want to appeal to us as Christians, don't stay stuck in the shire when God has a great adventure called the adventure of life. Sometimes Christians think, okay, I need to have an adventure, I'll go and join another church. Or I need an adventure, I'll go and live in another part of the country. Listen, <clears throat> it's not talking about going on a, a, an adventure. That may happen to you. The reality is, it is about having an adventure in God where you are right now in this community. And I wonder what this potentially looks like. And I was thinking about this the other day. I wonder what it would look like to have this God with us and then having an adventure. And I was thinking of the disciples of Jesus because I think that's something like it should look like. Just imagine with me for a moment the disciples being, hanging around <clears throat> with Jesus. Surely that would look like what this is supposed to be, this adventure. I mean, the sheer excitement of waking up, <laughs> you're in day eight or nine or month eight or nine of walking with Jesus, and it must have been amazing. You, you jumped out of bed because Jesus was there. And it's just an amazing adventure you're having every day of your life. What does it look like? What's going to happen next? Their lives were fairly mundane. I mean, tax gathering and fishing are not the most exciting things I would imagine on earth. But suddenly their lives have been changed and become extraordinary. You know, you've got a little, some fish and some bread. And the disciples said, how are we going to feed all these people? And Jesus performs the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, which was actually 20,000, because there's only 5,000 men, right? And there's still loads left afterwards. Wow. Will we get to do that tomorrow? Do that again next month? It's the excitement of the possibility of having this venture with Jesus, the living God. The teaching that he gave, it was just amazing. Couldn't wait for the next teaching session because it was so transformative. And the crowds just hanging out with... The crowds are gathering more and more as we're following Jesus. Some days he just healed one person. Other days he healed everybody. Is this going to be a one-person day? Or is it going to be an everybody day? You kind of lived <clears throat> close to Jesus with that expectation and potential reality. Demons would cry out 
There were exciting moments. Because Jesus, Jesus, and the demons would cry out. Didn't have to go looking for them. It just happened. One day, <coughs> estimated about 1,000 people by this time following Jesus were walking along. And they came to a village called Nain. And there, out of the village was coming a coffin and another massive crowd. And these two crowds collided. Can you imagine? <coughs> Thousands following Jesus, all these hundreds of people coming out of the village. And Jesus just touched the coffin. And the child was raised from the dead. That doesn't happen every day of your life. But it's walking with Jesus. It's the potential. It's the excitement. It's the adventure of what might happen tomorrow. What would happen? Now listen carefully. In case you get the wrong understanding of miracles, miracles, miracles. The adventure in walking with Jesus also included lots of things that you didn't understand. Don't, I don't get that. Well, that's part of the adventure. You don't understand everything. Why didn't he heal every person? Why didn't he raise everybody from the dead? The whole deal of this adventure <clears throat> included opposition. People, everybody surely would embrace someone who could heal people, but no. Constant opposition. Part of the adventure is understanding that walking with Jesus, being with the living God, is that there's opposition. There are disappointments. At one point, Jesus turned around to the disciples and said, are you leaving also? Why? Because everybody else had left him. Where are the crowds now? But the adventure hasn't stopped. It's still all part of the same thing. It's all to do with being with Jesus. And I love this. Sometimes they woke up in the morning and they said, where, where is he? Where's he gone? <laughs> he's supposed to be here. Sometimes they got on a boat and they went and try and find him. Because he's just gone. Do you know where he is? Well, he's spending time with his father because he's more important than them. And there are times in the Christian life where there's the potential for amazing miracles. Also, the adventure sometimes includes, where is he? Where's his presence? I don't understand. But it's not the end of the adventure. Then, I love this, and the, part of the adventure for the disciples, Jesus says, right, it's now your turn. <laughs> and they get to do the stuff, and they try to cast a demon out of somebody, and they can't. And the parents come and say, we asked your disciples, <laughs> and they couldn't do it. Do you know what? It's all part of the adventure. Making mistakes. Not being able to do it on your own. Learning how <clears throat> to involve this living God in everyday life. Things that didn't, I didn't understand, opposition, things that were there. Part of the adventure was this, that it included cost and sacrifice and the unknown. If Jesus is alive today, I think it looks something like this. So I sometimes read this book and I think, oh, I wish I could have been around with you. I am. I'm a bit thick. <clears throat> the only difference is he was physically in the body in fact, part of our adventure is to do it by faith. We can't actually see Jesus physically, but we still do the same things because we now believe even though we cannot see. And if Jesus is alive with us today, my adventurous life should look something like this. Is there adventure? This is basically my burden this morning. Is is there some adventure in your life? Yes. Is there a little bit of, I wonder what's next? What's God going to do next? What could he do through me next? I'm trying to get to you. Some of you are a bit sleepy. I can see you. Wake up. <laughs> You're not meant to be in the shire. 
You're meant to be on this adventure with this living God. It's the adventure. Please mis- don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It's not being doing an adventurous thing. It's being a child of God. Some of you are sitting there today saying, well, the trouble is I'm not adventurous. Yes, you are. Because God is with you. So it's not my temperament. Yes, it is. Because <clears throat> you'd be born again into a temperament, if you like, which has got this ingrained sense of adventure. Uh, part of our holiday uh, this, this summer in France, we were in the Alps of France, and we drove one day to the very, very, almost the top, you know, right on the top of the mountains, and there were people hang gliding. They're mad. <laughs> they weren't just hang gliding, they had people sitting in the front of them, so the professional was doing all this, and the person in front of you <laughs> was just kind of hanging there. I mean, we're talking about going, I mean, we're off the top of mountains, and we're watching them all take off. Liz looked at me. I looked at her, and then we looked at the hang gliders. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to do that. Maybe there was a time when I thought, I need to do that, because I need a bit of an adventure in my life. This is about people who may even look on the outside a little bit ordinary, but the reality is you're on the greatest adventure that anybody could ever be on, because God is with you. Five aspects of what this adventure might look like. Very quickly, then we'll pray. Adventure number one is this. The mundane is transformed. Much of everyday life is actually very ordinary, and yet it has the potential, the ordinary thing, to be transformed because God is with you in the ordinary. Don't despise ordinary life. It's where most people live. In fact, one of the problems you can get with Christians is they despise the ordinary because they're always looking for the extraordinary. Therefore, they're missing God in the ordinary. So you just live a mundane, boring life, and you're always looking for an experience. That's what I need. You're missing the point. God is with you right now in the very ordinary You know, we prayed for people this morning, but this week for most people in this room is not going to be naturally extraordinary. It's going to be very much the same as this week last year. It's going to be, but what makes it an adventure then? This, that in the ordinary, God is with you. Knowing God in the ordinary transforms the ordinary. So it's just another ordinary day. I look back on the day, nothing extraordinary happened. It was just another ordinary day. But if your ordinary day has the potential to know his presence and his peace, and listen to this, and his joy, inexpressible and full of glory, you don't have to have something to happen to make you joyful. You can be joyful in him. You don't have to have a miracle happen to prove that he's with you. He is with you. And it's fantastic. If you can grasp this, I mean, we're going to look at other few adventures, but this is actually an adventure for me. It's relating to God in the midst of ordinary life and also some of life's difficulties and perplexities. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. It's also part of the adventure. Finding God in difficult times is what changes an ordinary life to being extraordinary. Even there, there is an adventuring God 
by us getting to know him and him us. Life could still be viewed as mundane, but in reality, it can be transformed because God is there and he is with you. Adventure number two, hearing God's voice. How exciting is that? The possibility that you, as an ordinary person, can hear the voice of God speak to you is part of the adventure because he's in us and because there's intimacy. Jesus said this, whatever the Father is doing, that is what I do. What does that mean? He's constantly hearing the Father's voice. Jesus said, my sheep, that's you and me, will hear my voice. He has given us the Holy Spirit so that we may hear the voice of God. How exciting that I might wake up tomorrow morning and that God would speak to me and say something to me and then the next day he may something, say something else. Go pray for that person. Spend time with that person. They need you to talk to them. This is the voice of God. This makes it such an adventure that we are open to hear from him. Peter and John, as they were going towards the temple, there's this place called the Beautiful Gate, and there's a poor man. He's is, he is disabled, and he says to them, silver and gold, because he did that every day. And on this occasion, he says, silver and gold, we haven't got much of that. But this is what we've got. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. Why didn't they do that yesterday? Why didn't they do that last month? Why did they get to do this a year later? Because they were listening to God. They were on an adventure with God. And they heard him speak to them. You can hear God speak. It's all part of the adventure. He can whisper things to you. He can say things to you. He can speak to you. And it can turn mundane living into something quite extraordinary. A few months ago, only two or three months ago, I received a gift, and it was at a time when I needed what was in that gift to do something. And um, I needed that money. I felt God say to me, give it away to something else. It's just extraordinary when you hear things like that. But Lord, I need this. And you know what it is when God speaks to you, you just can't get away from it. I tried everything I could to convince God <laughs> that it wasn't him speaking to me. But he wouldn't let me go. I couldn't have any peace. He kept on speaking, kept on speaking, kept on speaking. This is a terrible admittance I'm about to make, but I've started the illustration quite, so I can't stop. But while I, while I was doing this, I said, well, Lord, you know how much we need this. You've got all these things, and you're telling me to give it to that, so I'm going to obey you and going to give it. I said, Lord, when I first became a Christian, we used to really trust you for finances. People used to stick money in envelopes and stick them under the put them through the post box or whatever you had in those days, stick them on your door. <laughs> and I said, that hasn't happened, literally hasn't happened for me years. I said, Lord, do it again. So I believe you. Come on, Lord, you can do this miracle. You told me to do this. You know we need this money. I even trust that you can stick. And when's the last time I had any money put in an envelope? Four days later, I'm here on a Sunday, and someone came up to me and said, felt God's told me to give you this. I didn't look at, it, look at it until I got home. When I opened it, it was twice the amount of money that we'd given to this offering that God had told us to give to. I tell you, I was scared because I realized that's not happened to me for years. 
and God has done it again. Listen, when you're walking with God, even money can become an adventure. Because he's a living God and he's involved in every aspect of what we do. Adventure number three, being Jesus to people around us. It's just an adventure. Who are you going to bump in today? To today? Who are you going to see today? Whose path are you going to cross today that could be part of the adventure? The words that we use when we talk to people, the example that we are and the way that we live. Looking for possibilities, opportunities to do acts of kindness. Do you know it says of Jesus that he went around healing the sick and doing good? That means on any average day, any one of us in this room today, walking with God and this adventure with God, can actually do something for somebody, an act of kindness. We are today literally his hands and his feet and his voice. The Bible says you're the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Bringing joy to people is so important. What will be imparted today? Who will I meet today? I'm married to someone who's like this. Almost every day, at the end of the day, she says to me, I met this person today. I gave that money to that person today. Hey, it's my money. No, it's not. I gave that money to that person. Just, just honestly, almost every day, Liz will come back. It's a bit embarrassing. Because it's just story after story after story of opportunities. Because she's open to being Jesus to people who are around. Adventure number four, doing the miracles that Jesus did. This is really part of the adventure. You and I get to do the miracles that Jesus did. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for a whole church load of people who are so on adventure with Jesus that they're so open that God would use them to see miracles happen. That's what happens to the disciples. Jesus said, now you. I think God is saying, now you. Now you and you and you. I've given you this. Isaiah 61 says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to heal the brokenhearted, set the captives free, preach good news to the poor. On the day of Pentecost, that same spirit was poured out upon us, the church. We now get to say we heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. Not us. But him with us, that nothing has changed in 2,000 years. He wants to see the sick healed and set free. And he wants to do it through you and me. He wants good news to be preached to the poor. And he wants to do it through you and me. He has compassion for multitudes. I don't know if you're like me, but I just see more and more people in, in, in most obvious need around me. His compassion for them can become our compassion that propels us to reach out to people in his name. It's for us to begin to do what he did. Just do something for me. Look at your hands just for a moment. Just don't look at me, but look at your hands. Some of you have got older hands. There's more lines there than there used to be. Where did that blotch come from? Keep looking at your hands. These hands are weird. You know, some of you got good nails. Some of you spent hours looking after your nails. Some of you bite them. It's kind of like they're just, they're weird looking things. Keep looking at them just for a moment. They're just ordinary. But your hands and my hands can become God's hands. And when they're God's hands, literally when they're his hands, you can look up now. There's nothing special about your hands. But when they become his, you can lay these hands on the sick and they can recover. You can lay these hands on people who are captive and they can be set free. 
You can reach out with these hands to people, literally, and the compassion and the love of Jesus can come through these hands to the glory of God. This is not, let me just say this, about one or two anointed Christian celebrities who we all flock to and watch. This is about the body of Christ. This is about every single person who's a child of God. That we are not on someone else's adventure that we look at from time to time. We're on this adventure. And tomorrow morning, even today, God can use you in that way. Finally, adventure number five, with this we close. We just get to tell people about Jesus. And it's an obvious one. But it's a very powerful one. I really, really wish this was more of my lifestyle. It isn't. It needs to become so. We've known seasons in our lives, perhaps when we've found ourselves talking to people about the Lord. I just don't think there's any more adventure that you can possibly have at being part of someone's journey of faith and realizing you were number three or four in the conversation, and there might be five, six, seven, eight coming later. But the reality is you've got to play a part in the adventure of someone coming to Christ. There is no greater adventure in telling people about who Jesus is and what he can do. The adventure is being with him in everything, every day. Can we stand, please? Let's close our eyes for a moment. It's time for an adventure. Here we are at the beginning of a new term. This is going to be the same old thing. Or could it be transformed because God has come? The point we're making this morning above all else is the adventure isn't trying to be adventurous. The adventure is God has come and he is in you and you are in him and the potential for amazing things to happen is just fantastic. Lord, I pray that many of us will tap into this adventure. I pray that we will begin to expect, even from today, more than we have in the past, to hear your voice, to be moved by you. The adventure of seeing miracles happen, but the adventure also of sometimes being in situations that are so difficult we don't understand, but still it feels like an adventure because somehow we know that you're with us. Folks, I want us to also grasp as we close. There's a corporate adventure. This church is on an adventure. These communities, go and join one. Get involved in the adventure of a new community. Week of prayer. Come on. Get involved. Take a risk. Get involved in the adventure of praying with people. And all around us, there are hundreds of people who are all simultaneously on this adventure together. What amazing things could happen. And I want to say this, age is not a barrier. Please don't think I once had an adventure. I've got older now. That's irrelevant. If God is with you, every person you meet, everything you do is part of this adventure. Thanks for listening to this talk from New Community. For more information about New Community, check out newcommunitychurch.org.uk